If you have a Bible or the app on your phone, and if you don't have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone, download it right now. Take the whole song. You need to have that on your phone. Um, so grab a, a Bible. If you, I'm old school. I, I, I have the YouVersion on my phone, but I'm old, so I like, I like the pages too. So um, I'm with the pages today, but I use both. So if you have um, a phone... Um, and you don't have the YouVersion Bible app, download that. We're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 13. So if you want to join me there, that'd be great. Matthew chapter 13. We're actually going to read just the last few verses of chapter 12 as we continue into our parable series. We are in week two of this series, looking at some of the parables of Christ. So Matthew chapter 12 verses 46 through 50, and then that'll take us into chapter 13. So Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 through 50, and then into chapter 13. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. That's Jesus asking to speak to Jesus. But he replied to the man who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, Jesus said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, The sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Go down to verse 18. Jesus continues. He says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, and another sixty, and in another thirty. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you this morning with one goal, one purpose, and that is to bring you honor, to bring you glory as your people. Father, I feel this weight this morning 
in the sense of what we're going to be talking about today. And yet I sense and feel an excitement too about the truths that you want us to, to hear from you today. So I pray that you would increase and I would decrease. That Holy Spirit, you would come and you would give me clarity, give us freedom of distraction so that we can hear specifically what you want to say to us in this moment. So we're listening. Speak now for your servant hears. We're listening. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. A couple months ago, the youngest son of the royal family, Britain's royal family, uh, was married to a young lady, I think, named Meghan Markle. And you can see a picture of the royal family on the screen. Um, you might not recognize a couple of the faces, the people there in the royal family. Um, you can tell I had way too much fun. The fam- my family's gone all week, so I'm like playing with this all week, like trying to put my, I don't, you know, I didn't, it didn't hit me until today. I'm like, I don't know if I can even get trouble like, with, from Britain like, for like, putting my face on the royal family or whatever. It hit me later. I'm like, man, no one take a snapshot of this or post it or anything. Get in trouble. But it's pretty obvious, right, when you, when you look at a picture of the royal family, Right? Who isn't a member of the royal family in that picture? Right? It's, it's pretty obvious to tell who isn't a member of that family. How do you know? Other than the poor Photoshop job, right? I mean, other, other than, uh, I, I mean, how do you know that I'm not a member of the royal, Britain's royal family? What evidence do you have? Let me turn this. If I were to put a picture of Jesus and his family, whom he considers his family, on the screen, who would be in the picture? Would you be in the picture? Would I? Would your neighbors? Would the people you work with? Would they be in that picture? Does Jesus consider them his royal family? I mean, he's a king. He has a royal family. How do we know this? How do you know if you or your kids or the people you work with are are citizens of Christ's kingdom? How do you know? Right? It's the question, how how do you know you're a Christian? (laughs) How do you know that if you, when, when you die, you're going to be with the king and in his presence? How, how do we know that? What are the characteristics? What evidence is there to show, to help us understand the characteristics of someone who is truly a member of Christ's family? Someone who is a true citizen of Christ's kingdom. Well, in today's parable, Jesus is going to answer and address that question. And in today's parable, we're going to see characteristics of someone who is a member of Christ's royal family. Someone whom, who, who is a citizen of Christ's kingdom. Now before we dig into that in this parable that we just read, 
It's important for us, I think, to understand a little bit about what parables are and how best to understand them. So let me, let me pause for a moment, lay a foundation here, teach a little bit on parables, because I think that's going to help us understand when we get into these. Now, what is a parable? Parable literally means to lay beside, to compare. So in a lot of ways, a parable, you're taking something physical, something that's in everyday life, and using it to compare with something spiritual. And that's what Jesus does. A lot of times in the parables, he's taking something that that everyday, ordinary people would understand, and he would use that to communicate a truth about his kingdom. So parables can be simple, short stories. They can be object lessons, word pictures. Someone described a parable as an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And Jesus uses, we looked at this last week, Jesus used parables to describe and give characteristics of his kingdom. And as, as we understand what's happening leading up to this specific parable that we're going to study, Jesus often used parables to force people who were listening to him to make a decision. To make a decision about who he is. About who he is. He used parables to force a decision in the hearer to expose the audience, or to expose those in the audience of hearers who's really a follower of him and who isn't. And we know this because you can read Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 through 16. That's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, I'm telling you about parables. I'm teaching you in parables because these parables are going to expose those of you who are really my disciples and those of you who aren't. And so he's using parables to kind of to teach about his kingdom, but to also bring to the surface Asking the question, am I a member of Christ's family? Am I a citizen of the kingdom? Now, when it comes to parables, how to understand them, hopefully this will be helpful even in your own personal study when you come into the Gospels and read the parables. Parables are often grouped by theme. They're grouped by a theme. So if you go to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, there's three parables in Luke, chapter 15. There's a parable of the lost coin or the lost sheep the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost son, prodigal son. So those are themes. So in every one of those parables or stories, there's something lost and something found. So when you're going to study one of those, you need to, that's the theme. That's what you're looking for. That's a characteristic that Jesus is trying to communicate or truth he's trying to communicate in those parables. So parables are often grouped by theme. Usually there's one main point in the parable or one main characteristic that Jesus is trying to communicate about his kingdom in the parable. Now, when it comes to understanding parables, I came across this this quote by John Piper, Bible teacher John Piper, and I thought it was really good. And he says this. He says, when it comes to parables, every detail of a parable should not be pressed to have a counterpart in the main point that the parable is making. That's very important. Again, parables are like teaching one main, one main thing. So we don't want to pick apart, pick apart every little detail of the story and try to match something spiritual with it. So, so that's helpful when we're looking and understanding parables. There's usually one main point that Jesus is trying to communicate in the parable. Now, as we come into the one we're going to look at today, the parable of the sower, what's the purpose for this parable? Well, I think to understand Jesus' purpose for this specific parable, we need to understand what Jesus just said before he introduced this story about this man sowing seed. Well, what does he say? That's why we read chapter 12. 
verses 46 through 50. So it's pretty crazy. Like Jesus is in this house and his family, right? His, his half-brothers, his mom, they come, they knock on the door. And the guy comes and says, well, your family's here. And he's like, well, who is my family? It's like this, like, whoa, this moment, right? Jesus is like, well, who are my, my mother and my brother? And he, it's like, and he looks at his disciples and he says, you are my mother and my brothers and my sisters. Now, if you're his family, right, you're standing outside the door. I mean, you can imagine the people hearing that going, total confusion, right? Like, what is he meaning? What's Jesus talking about? His family is right outside the door. They're thinking what? Biological, right? Jesus is saying, no, 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 my real family, that's, I'm connected to them spiritually. That's who I consider my mothers and my brothers and my sisters. There's a whole different family that I see is even more close, more personal to me than even biologically. Jesus draws this line in the sand and he says, you are my family if what? If you do are doing the will of my father. We have the same father. So Jesus draws this line in the sand, and he wants to communicate who his real family members are. Now, couple that with what the purpose of parables is, which is to reveal characteristics of Christ's kingdom. So I think when we come to the parable of the sower, what Jesus is trying to communicate in this specific story is he's trying to communicate characteristics of someone who he sees as a real family member of his. He's just said, here's my real family. Now let me tell you a story that shows you characteristics of someone that I consider my family, someone that I consider a citizen in my kingdom. And that's the purpose of this parable, to reveal characteristics of someone who is a true citizen of Christ's kingdom, someone that's a true disciple of Jesus. And so you can imagine, right? Imagine what's going on here. And there were, there were people in the crowd who loved Jesus. Man, they liked Jesus simply because of what Jesus did. He healed. He did all kinds of awesome miracles. I mean, they, they followed him because of that. But then there were other people in the crowd, like the religious types. They couldn't stand Jesus. They thought he was a liar, an imposter. They weren't buying into whole Matthew's gospel that Jesus is a king. They no, they, they didn't believe that Jesus is a king. And so they thought Jesus was lying. And they actually wanted to destroy Jesus. And you read that in Matthew chapter 12, verse 14. So there's this mixed group in the crowd. So try to feel that tension. There's people in the crowd that Jesus is teaching to who love him. There's his disciples. But then there's people in the crowd that hate him. They can't stand him. They want him dead. And so Jesus goes to the beach Another reason why I love Jesus. He goes to the beach, right? He goes to the beach to get some me time, all right, to get with the Father. And all this crowd starts coming around. And in that crowd are people who don't like him. Some people love him just because they like what he does. Then there's some disciples in the mix. There's people that want him dead. So there's all kinds of people in the crowd. Jesus understands this. And so he pushes offshore in the boat steps in the boat, sits down, and on the shore are all these people. And Jesus is going to tell a story. And the purpose of that story is to help expose and reveal who his real family members are, who is a true disciple of Jesus. And so that's the purpose of the parable. So if you've ever wondered, am I really a disciple of Jesus? Am I really a Christian? Jesus is going to help us answer that question through this parable. And so that's what I want us to see this morning. I want us to see this parable and four characteristics 
of a true citizen in Christ's kingdom. So let's look at the parable. We'll pick it up in Jesus' explanation. This is the one, one of the few parables that Jesus actually explains. And so in verse 18, he says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Now, let's stop for a moment. Jesus doesn't spend a lot of time talking about the seed, and he doesn't talk, spend a lot of time talking about the sower. But he does tell us what the seed is. The seed is the word of the kingdom. Now, Luke, in his gospel, he calls the seed the word of God. So what is the seed? The, the seed is the message of how a person enters the kingdom of Christ, how a person comes into the kingdom, how a person gets in, right? How a person enters. So that's the message. It's the gospel. It's the good news that Jesus is a king, has a kingdom, and has purchased our freedom so that we can belong to him and his kingdom now and forever. That's the seed. That's the message. It's the gospel. It's the good news that the king of heaven has come to us to rescue us from our sin so that we could be with him forever. That's the seed. It's the gospel. It's the good news. And then he goes on and he tells us a little bit about the sower, but we don't know much about the sower. He doesn't tell us who the sower is in this parable. But if you look at verses 36 and 37 of Matthew chapter 13, in another parable, similar, there's a sower there, and Jesus says the sower is the son of man, referring to himself. So it's possible in this parable that the sower is Jesus, but he doesn't tell us. But we also know when you read the book of Acts, some of Jesus' own disciples were out sowing seed about the kingdom. They were telling the message of the kingdom. In Acts chapter 28, at the end of the chapter, the Apostle Paul, he's in his jail cell. People are wanting to know more about who this Jesus is. And it says he started preaching to them the, the word of the kingdom. The word of the kingdom. And he starts to convince them about Jesus. Acts chapter 28. And so the sower here could be Jesus. I, I think we could make application that the sower is anyone who's a disciple of Jesus. Anyone that's a follower of Jesus. What is, what is the sower doing? He is just throwing seed like crazy man. He doesn't seem to be real picky about where the seed lands either, right? I mean, he just like pff, reaches in his bag, grabs some seed, pff, and he's just throwing it everywhere. Rocky, path, I mean, gravel, good soil, whatever. I mean, he's just like walking around. I got to talk to you about my king. His name is Jesus. He's got this awesome kingdom, and he wants you to be in it, and he is so good. You should know him. I can tell you how you can know him and how you can get into the kingdom. I mean, he is just everywhere he goes, he is just throwing seed. He is just, he just loves the king so much, and he's just talking about how good the king is. That's convicting. That's challenging. But that's really all we're told about the sower. And that's really all we're told about the seed. The real emphasis of this parable is what? The soils. That's the real emphasis of this parable. The soils. Jesus spends almost the entire time talking about four different kinds of soils. Why? Because he wants to force a decision in those who are listening. He wants them to ask the question, which soil am I? That's the question everyone here this morning needs to ask. Myself, which soil am I? Why is that a big deal? It's a big deal because the type of soil you are determines if you're in the family. 
if you're a true follower of Christ, if you're a citizen of his kingdom. And that's Jesus' purpose for the parable. So I, I want us to dig, dig into this a little bit. And, and I think we can see four characteristics of someone who's a true kingdom citizen. And the first characteristic is seen in the path. The path, verse 19. We read it earlier. He says, it's the word of the kingdom. The evil one comes and snatches away what's been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. And so here you have the first characteristic of someone that is a true kingdom citizen. Is The characteristic is this. They hear the gospel and they believe it. And I'll explain that in a moment, how we get that. All right? They hear the gospel, that good news about the king. He has a kingdom and he's purchased their freedom from sin so they can belong to it. They hear that and they, they believe it. They really believe that he is a king. And they really believe that, yeah, he, he has a kingdom and he's purchased my... They start believing that. How do we get there? Well, Matthew doesn't, or Jesus doesn't give us a lot of specifics about the soil. Luke's gospel, if you were to read it in Luke chapter 8, what you find out there is that the soil refers to a person's heart. So when you read the soil, it's talking about your heart, who you are. Luke's gospel chapter 8. So when you talk about the soils, we're talking about your, your heart. And then Mark's gospel describes how there are birds, right? And even here in Matthew, it talks about birds coming and snatching the seed. What's that tell us? The message gets nowhere deeper than just the surface. (laughs) The message just stays on the surface of the heart. Listen, I've been to the beach, right? You leave a leftover cheese it, right? It's sitting there. I mean, birds everywhere, right? Because they can get to it. Just it's there on the surface. So if birds can come and snatch the seed, what's that tell us about the message? It's just on the surface. It's here. It's just on the surface. Yeah, I believe Jesus. Yeah, I've. He hears it. Yeah, Jesus, okay, whatever. He has a kingdom, whatever. I can belong to it, whatever. But it just stays here. It doesn't take root. It doesn't go from here to here to where you're like, wow, yeah, that's, that's true. And it starts to, it doesn't settle in deeper than just here. It just stays on the surface. So really the pastor is someone who hears the message about Jesus, but it doesn't go any farther than that. They might believe it intellectually, but there's no heart. They hear about it, but they don't really care to know anything more. They refuse to repent and recognize that they've rebelled against the king and they need his forgiveness. So they just, they just don't mess with it anymore. So, right, like a hungry seagull, they, the enemy, Satan, comes and snatches the message and that person just becomes hardened to Christ all the more. And what Luke tells us in his gospel is this person, they don't believe. And so what's the result? They're not saved which means they're not in the kingdom. That's what Luke Gospel chapter 8. It's just here. It stays on the surface, but they haven't received it. They haven't accepted it. They haven't believed in it. So they're not in the kingdom. So in contrast, right, if we look at this, then a true kingdom citizen would be what? Someone who hears the gospel, the message that Jesus really is a king and that he has a kingdom and that we've rebelled against him, but because of his great love for us, he's come to us to rescue us from our sin. And those who by faith put their trust in him, he gives them his righteousness so that they can be in the kingdom. They start believing that message that they need it. It's personal. And so a true kingdom citizen hears that good word, that good gospel, and they start believing it. And then out of gratitude to the king, they surrender their life to him. So a true citizen of Christ's kingdom hears that message about Jesus, and they're, they're believing it. Is that you? 
second characteristic we see in the gravel soil, the rocky soil, verses 20 and 21. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word. Notice, every soil hears the word. Every one of them hears it. So, past soil, they heard the message of Jesus. Rocky soil, they've heard the gospel. They're hearing it. Right, and then what happens? This is the one, verse 20, who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So this is someone that maybe hears a message about Jesus. You're like, dude, I'm all in. That's so cool. Jesus is sweet. He's awesome. And like, that's so, like immediately it's all emotion. And that's the good thing. I'm, I'm they're emotional about it, and it's super exciting, and they love the fact that Jesus is a king, has a kingdom, and that they can belong to it until, oh, you mean I, like, I actually have to like, do what he says? Well, that could mean, that could hurt. I mean, this person, they receive it immediately with joy, but then when they realize that, oh, wait a second, that might mean a difficult life to follow Jesus. This person then bails, which means they never had it really in the first place, right? They, they like the king as long as the king is following them, not the other way around. And then when following Jesus gets hard, they're like, ah, I didn't, I, I didn't buy into that. I thought it was going to be great. Yeah, I'm into Jesus and all that, but I'm not into really living for the king. I think there's a lot of people like this. I think there are a lot of people following Jesus like this, and I think that's why he tells a parable. You're in it just for what you can get out of it, aren't you? You like me just for what you get out of me. But you really don't love me. Because when it gets hard, you're out. I mean, you just, you bail. No, 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 that's, that's not as... No. See, if, in contrast to that, a, a true kingdom citizen hears the gospel, they believe it, and then out of love for the king and who he is and what he's done for them and purchasing their freedom, they follow and obey, obey even when the, mo- the emotions of following fade. It's not just an emotional experience. It's a relationship with the king, for better, for worse. They believe that the king is so good that even though living for him might get difficult, living for him is better. It's better. They realize the king owes them nothing, and yet he still died on their behalf to bring them into his kingdom, and he's that good, and knowing that, they follow and serve the king no matter how hard it gets. Think of Stephen. You want an example in Scripture? Stephen in Acts chapter 7. Man, he is sowing seed like a mad dog. I don't even know what that means, but it's cool. All right, but he is like sowing seed. I mean, he's just like, dude, and read it. Acts chapter 7, he's like in their grill. You all are stiff-necked, ruthless hypocrites. I mean, he is like, and you all need Jesus. Well, it says that they like gritted their teeth. They're so angry. They're just like, ugh. They got so angry at Stephen, so they start picking up rocks. And they start, he gets hit. Then he gets hit again. And he gets hit more and more and more to the point where he just falls to his knees. And he's starting to bleed. And now he realizes he's starting to bleed out. And realizes he's going to die for the king. He's going to die simply because he was sowing seed. 
And he stumbles to the ground. And he looks up. And who does he see? The king. Sitting. Actually, he sees the king standing. He sees his king. And like his king on the cross, Stephen says, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. true kingdom citizen believes the king is so good that you'll follow him to the end no matter how hard following him might become listen we're not talking about perfection here okay but we're talking about progress right do i fail and absolutely but i'm are you able to look back and say yeah i i see failures in some of these but i do see progress toward the king i see progress in my desire to follow the king Right, third is seen in the next soil, right, the thorny soil. Verse 22 is, for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfaithful. It proves unfaithful. So what is this? This is simply someone, right, who hears the word of the kingdom. Again, they like what they hear, but they get deceived. They start believing a lie that life really is about building their kingdom. They like the king, but they're not really into living out his kingdom mission. And if it comes to making a choice, if they're going to live for his kingdom or theirs, they're going to choose theirs. So in contrast, then a true kingdom citizen believes that King Jesus is so good, they know that living out his kingdom is better than living out theirs. They refuse to be distracted by the lures of of wealth and riches. Those things aren't wrong. They're not sinful to have. But it can become an idol. And Jesus says, no, 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 a true kingdom citizen, they, they recognize that. And now they see their job not as a means to have a glorious, wonderful retirement. Nothing wrong with that. But they don't see their job as that's the end. They see their job as a means for living out the mission of the king. Living out the mission of the king. They see their house as a means for living out the mission that the king has called them to. And if they have to choose a kingdom to pursue, they choose Jesus. They get Matthew 6, which said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. When I think of an example in Scripture, I think of Moses. Moses, Hebrews chapter 11 talks about Moses. Now, Moses was adopted into a royal kingly family, the king of Egypt. So he steps into this. He's got pleasure, riches coming. I mean, just Adam left and right. He can live the life. Live it. At his fingertips, whatever he wants. Control, power, money, riches, you name it. He's got it. It's there. But then God comes to him and says, but my people are in slavery to your adopted dad, the king of Egypt. And I'm asking you to be the one to go lead my people out. And it says in Hebrews chapter 11 that Moses considered the reproach of Christ greater than any treasures in Egypt. Any treasures in Egypt. Because he was looking to his reward. He was looking at the king Right? A citizen of Christ's kingdom is believing that King Jesus is so good. You're living to advance his kingdom first, not their own. It's the king and his kingdom. Finally, last soil. It's the good soil. 
This is the only one of all four, right? The only one that produces a harvest. This is it. The last one. The others didn't. They all heard, they all heard but there's only one that produced fruit. What's that tell us? What's that tell us? What's that tell us about the seed? It went deeper than the surface. What's that tell us about the seed? It went deeper than the surface, and it withstood the hard rains. It endured. What's that tell us? That the seed endured. It wasn't distracted. It did its job. And as a result, what happened? There's fruit. There's a harvest. Some 30, some 60, some 100. And if you're like me, I read them like, okay, what's the fruit? What's the fruit? Tell me what the fruit is. I want my list. How do I know? How do I know? What's the fruit? I think the fruit is the parable. I think the fruit is, you know what? The fruit is this. The fruit is that the gospel has, you've heard it and you believe it. It's coming into your heart. And the result is, yeah, you know what? I'm not perfect, but I have the king's righteousness. And the king is so good. I'm going to live for him, even if it means it's going to be a difficult road. And I'm going to follow the king. That's fruit. No matter what he says, no matter what he does, even if it doesn't make a lot of sense, I trust him. So I'm going to follow him. And then, you know what? I know I could have a different kind of life, maybe have more stuff, whatever it might be. But if the kingdom king wants me to do something different, I'm going to follow the king. That's the fruit. I think that's the fruit. Now, it's fruit of the Spirit. Paul writes about that in Galatians, a fruit of the Spirit. When you have the King, you have the Spirit living inside you, so you should see progress in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. We're not talking perfection. We're talking progress. So hear me on that. I'm a perfectionist. That's my nature. All right? So I'm like, I want to do it perfectly. I can't. I won't. But I think what Jesus is saying here, you'll see progress in this. You'll see progress. So what now, right? So what now? I think the question looms for every person in this room. Which soil are you? Which soil am I? I think that's the question Jesus was posing to the listeners that day. And everyone here, we have to answer that question. And this is progress, right? But can you look at your life, and when you look back at your life, you say, yeah, I see, fruit. I see some fruit. It's imperfect, but, but I can see it. I can see fruit in my desire to want to live for Jesus, even though I fail. I can see progress in loving those that are difficult to love and joy and peace and patience. I, I can see progress in that. But if you look and you go, I, I got nothing. I got nothing. Then you need to ask, am I really a member of the royal family? And, and if you say, yeah, I am, I know I am, but you know what our role is? Let's just talk about the king. He's that good. He is so good. Just talk about the king. Whoever will listen, wherever you go, just ask God to give you opportunity to talk about the king. I normally don't do what I'm going to do next. But in praying about this this week, I really believe the Spirit of God has impressed upon me to do this. Don't flip out, okay? I really believe that there might be some people in here 
that maybe you've grown up in church all your life. But when you look at the parable of the soils, you recognize, you know what? I'm not, I'm not a citizen of the kingdom. I, there is no fruit. Here's the good news. The king loves you. He loves you. So much so that he went to the cross to purchase your freedom still so that you can enter the kingdom and be forgiven of, your, of all your sin. So if you're here and you get, you're sitting there and the Spirit of God is impressing upon you, you know it if, if he is, that you're not a member in the, in the kingdom. But today you're saying, today I am becoming a member of Christ's family. I am entering the kingdom. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. Not to make public of you, but out of honor of our king, the one who came to rescue us. Others of us, those of us who say, I'm a citizen of the kingdom, right? When we sing this next song, and I'm going to ask the band to come. When we sing this next song, I'm going to ask you to just sit for a little bit as they start and ask the Spirit of God to bring someone to mind that needs to hear how good the king is. And when that person comes to mind, you can stay where you're seated and you can pray for that person pray for yourself to have boldness, or if you want to come to the front one of these seats and kneel and pray for that person, you do that. The question that looms is, which soil am I? Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. King Jesus, you are so good. So good that you would come and rescue us from our sin so that we, rebellious sinners, could be in relationship with you, the King of the universe, King of kings and Lord of lords, and have the promise that we're in your kingdom now and forevermore. Before I close my prayer, if you're here this morning and you're saying, you know what, Mark? I have n- I'm realizing this morning that I have not been, I'm not a member of the King's family. But today... I'm apologizing to the king for my sin against him. And I'm receiving his good grace. And by his goodness and his cross and his resurrection, my faith in him and him alone, I am standing to to say today, I am becoming a member of his family, a citizen in his kingdom. Is there anyone here like that? In boldness, out of honor for the king, you stand right where you are. You stand and say, today, yes. There's nothing to be ashamed of. To stand and honor the king to say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Today, take me as a member of your family. Is there anyone like that? You stand. For those of us who are citizens of the kingdom, ask right now, the Holy Spirit to bring someone to mind that needs to hear about the goodness of our King. And as we begin to sing, ask God to give you an opportunity this week in boldness to talk with that person about who he is. Lord Jesus, you are good. All creation trembles at your name because you are King.
But you're not a distant king. You're a loving king Come, who came to rescue us from our sin. And because of your goodness and your grace to us, we can stand here, we can sit here today knowing that we are part of your kingdom forever. Receive our worship. Receive our praise, King, because you are good and worthy of it all. Amen.